0: Welcome to the Light Shine Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Organizing Pastor Rob Douglas, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to our weekly message. Thank you for that, Shay. Living in poetry, knowing that our work is never finished, that things can always get better. This morning, we're going to look at the very beginning Um, of Jesus's relationship with his disciples. They will certainly learn the lesson that Shea was just teaching us. Well, we're gonna look at discipleship today in terms of catch and call, a miraculous catch of fish that leads to a call to follow Jesus with this new vocation of catching people. Well, for the past year, I've actually been writing a book on missional disciple-making that's actually going to be released sometime in the spring. And one of the surprise learnings for me in writing this book was that so many people today experience the word discipleship as this kind of almost a dirty word. Mostly, I think, because so many people have been hurt by well-meaning Christians using coercive or domineering tactics that treat people more like objects to be converted than friends. In other words, discipleship goes wrong when it neglects relationship. So how do we grow as disciples and participate in this call ourselves in a manner in which where we really, we do no harm to people, but rather promote healing and wholeness helping people to connect better to the love of God in Jesus Christ. These were the kinds of questions that I brought with me to the study of today's text. So here we go, we're gonna go fishing with Jesus and we're gonna see what we can learn. Luke 5, one through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we've worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, fishing and I got off to a very rough start. Two of my uncles were fishermen. My Uncle Jerry, who just recently passed away, was a commercial fisherman until he had a nasty fall while at sea. My other Uncle Mark is a fisherman for sport. And when I was young, my sport fishing Uncle Mark took me out on his boat in the beautiful Puget Sound. We pushed out into the deep water very early one morning, and the boat ride out was one of the most exciting memories of my childhood. But things changed rather quickly. And I was actually horrified when he caught the undesirable fish, the dogfish, as he called them. He'd reel them in and he would do one of two things smash them on the head with a hammer, or just grab them by the tail, smash their heads on the side of the boat before throwing them back into the ocean. Now, my Uncle Mark is a deeply Christian man, but I realized at that moment that we were both praying for two very different things. He was praying to catch the right kinds of fish on the journey, and I actually began to pray that I wouldn't catch a single fish so that I would never have to hit any living thing over the head with a hammer. It took me decades to recover from this experience. But every June, the guys in my small group take a trip to the mountains to go fly fishing. The first of these trips was about 10 years ago, and it brought back these horrible memories of fish smashing for me. At first, I wasn't even sure that I wanted to go. But I was thrilled to learn that on these trips, we would be using barbless hooks and that all the fish that would be caught, would be released unharmed. Well, sort of, (laughs) you know what I mean? But 30 years later, I still prayed the same exact prayer as my childhood. And this is not a joke. God, I'm happy to be with my friends, enjoying this beautiful place, but please dear God, don't let me catch a thing. And for two whole days, God answered my prayer the way that I had asked but with about 20 minutes to go left on this fishing trip, I spotted this beast of a trout defiantly watching fake flies float right by his face without so much as a nibble. So I cast my fly a few times, and this behemoth of a fish for this tiny little pond didn't even bat an eye. My friends were packing it up, and I decided on one final cast. And on that cast, God showed a sense of humor, and I actually caught the fish. Catching this fish was a real thrill, but the best part of the whole experience by far was releasing the fish back into the pond, watching it swim away, alive and well, and hopefully all the wiser and perhaps a little less willing to fall for the next fake fly that dangled irresistibly in front of him. I caught a fish and there were no hammers involved. Jesus is beside the Sea of Galilee, here called Lake Gennesaret, this medium-sized lake, some 8 miles wide, 14 miles long, the crowd is pressing in on him. They're demanding to hear the word of God. And so he commandeers the boat of Simon, whom Luke tells us elsewhere that he probably already met. Right away, we see something that I think is really important. We see relationship before we see discipleship. Jesus knew Peter. Probably they were already friends. Simon later renamed Peter, his brother Andrew and the brothers James and John were these small business owners. They were partners in their fishing business. They had just survived a brutal night of fishing. And they, trust me, were not praying the same prayer that I was praying to catch no fish. The only reason that there's even room for Jesus on their boat was because there were no fish on it. I'm sure they're angry and frustrated. They're preparing to have to face their families empty handed with no money, with no food to show for all their hard work. These commercial fishermen had no means to provide for their families. They might have even gone to bed hungry. Like we know that over 54 million people today in this country are experiencing hunger right now. We're like setting records that we wish we weren't. Begrudgingly, I'm sure you can almost hear it in Peter's voice jumping off the page. Begrudgingly, Peter takes Jesus on board his boat. We have no idea what Jesus taught the crowd that day. Luke doesn't focus on that. It's actually Peter himself that now is coming into focus. Jesus tells Peter to put out into the deep water and to let his nets down for a catch. The deep water here seems to be these unexplored areas of potential. The deep waters that Jesus asked Peter to go to were places that exceeded Peter's limits. They're past the edge of his resources. They surpass his knowledge. They're beyond his expertise as a professional. There's more than a little bit of irony here. Most likely the son of a stonemason telling the fisherman how to do his job. So the question is why in the world does Peter do it? Why does he listen? Well, it has to have something to do with the one who commands him. Because of his obedience, there's such an abundance of fish that the nets are breaking, the boat is sinking, and Peter is absolutely terrified. All he can see is his own unworthiness, like Shay saying that the work is never finished, This is what Peter sees in himself. He sees this unworthiness, his sinfulness in the presence of Jesus. This declaration of Peter's may also have carried with it some social connotations that I had not previously seen before until studying this text again. That many Jewish elites called those who couldn't attend worship services at the temple for various reasons, they called them sinners. So poor people, especially poor people who lived far away from Jerusalem, were considered to be particularly sinful and unclean. And so we have this poor fisherman Peter from this backwards Galilee who didn't attend church often enough for the first century pastor types. He's awestruck when he comes face to face with Jesus. So now I wanna finish by reading in between the lines a little bit. We have this miraculous catch of fish that interestingly enough is not only provision for today, but it's actually more than enough for tomorrow as well. Not only have Peter, Andrew, James, and John received their daily bread from Jesus, they've actually received enough provision to feed an entire village of people. Or here's another way to think about it. Selfishly, they've received enough to make themselves wealthy men. This catch is their winning lottery ticket. Because they believed Jesus, because they obeyed, they have prospered. But look at what happens. Notice that this prosperity, look how short-lived it is. Jesus doesn't call them to that. Jesus calls them to leave behind their prosperity, leave behind their success, to walk away from it and turn away from it in order to lead lives of service and self-sacrifice. Now, nobody ever talks about this. But the thing that I could not stop thinking about was what happened to all those fish? Well, somebody ate them. We don't know exactly who it was, but we certainly know who it wasn't because the four walked away from them. The surprise that I I truly believe that the surprise of this text is that Luke, I believe really has the larger community in mind here as the recipient of God's abundance. The four disciples, they resist the instinct to hoard and to take it all for themselves. Instead, they walk away and effectively what they do is they leave their wild success for others to enjoy. The catch is miraculous for sure, But I wonder if the bigger miracle isn't the change that occurred in the heart of a human being that's willing to walk away from that kind of abundance and choose another way. The miraculous provision of Jesus was for other people so that they might have their daily bread too. Maybe this is Luke's clue as to what real discipleship looks like or is all about. When we follow Jesus, maybe hungry people get fed. The call that follows the catch is about people and specifically about making disciples. If people are treated as objects to be converted instead of as friends, then fishing for people may still be experienced today By others as a hammer blow and not the healing salve that it's supposed to be. But if following Jesus today and discipling others means leading by serving, leading by sharing God's provisions with others, especially with those who do not have enough, then people may begin to experience Jesus and his followers differently and maybe those people might even choose to follow him. I can't help but wonder how many other people on the lake that day also followed Jesus because of Peter, Andrew, James and John's decision to follow. How many others responded to Jesus like that too? Luke clearly wants us to see that Jesus is the source of hope and abundance. And he wants us to see disciples of Jesus as those who share this hope and abundance with others. We know that Jesus was never coercive or domineering. Peter, Andrew, James, and John were rather caught up in the net of Christ's love and mercy. The religious types of Jesus's day may not have seen these fishermen as disciple worthy, but Jesus deems them good enough to be his disciples. No matter who we are, no matter what we've done, we may be unfinished. (laughs) But no matter who we are, what we've done, no matter how other people see us, or no matter how we might even see ourselves, Jesus deems us worthy of being his disciples. Jesus engages in the same kind of deep water work with each one of us. Jesus wants to take us beyond our own limits and experiences beyond even our expertise. He sees potential in us that we may never have even seen in ourselves. And when we respond to his call to follow, the Holy Spirit just might use us in surprising ways where people's real needs get met. Now fishing and I may have gotten off to a really bad start, but I realized that the kind of fishing that we are actually called to never requires a hammer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the mercy and the grace that you show each one of us, that you deem us worthy of being your disciple. May we be so caught up by this incredible love that it propels us onto works of love and compassion and justice. Amen. Amen.